there's a sermon in here. I don't have I don't have time for that. So instead of giving that sermon, I'm going to make a few comments, and we'll have the worship team come back up. In light of the sharing, some I was actually here Wednesday night when kids shared, and adults who are like kids, <coughs> Marla, <coughs> um, Kathy, uh, and um, clearly, you know, the theme. One of the themes is is knowing God, and not just knowing God, but experiencing God, and. Some of the kids, like I think um, Josh, I was staring right at him, I had a brain freeze, um, you know, made the point about even if I don't feel God, I know he's with me. And and that's true. And many of you applaud it. And, but I think there's confusion sometimes about feeling God and knowing God as if they're the same thing. And if I don't feel him, he's not near um, of course, that's false. Whether we feel God or not, God's, I mean, God is omnipresent. Jesus um, is present with the believer. If you're truly a Christian and you've been born again, Jesus is present with you at all times. Because he dwells in your heart. Um, now, but there's a difference between his, his presence and the experience of his presence. Um, so, Asserting we can we can know God without experiencing His presence on the one hand is true, but on the other hand, if we never experience His presence, do we really know God? So you have to keep these two things in tension here, because I know some Christians who uh, their their religious life is what I call white knuckle Christianity. They're just hanging on. They grit their teeth and they hang on and they go through it. But there is no reality of Christ in their life. They're good people externally. But there's just no savor of Jesus in their life. That's a problem. Okay, That problem is just as bad as the other problem. And so we can't, we can't, we need to beware of saying, oh yeah, Jesus is with us whether we feel him, and thus it's okay to never feel him. We are emotional beings. Okay? We're intellectual, we're volitional, and we're emotional. And we are saved in every one of those spheres. We are saved totally. Okay? So when Jesus saves us and he, he, he changes us, we can actually experience the reality of Christ in a very real way. Intellectually, volitionally, and emotionally. And scripture talks about this. It talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, and these other things. Some of these are emotional, some of these are relational. But they're real and they can be experienced. Christ is real. Amen? He's real. He's alive. He's not in the grave. So, when we talk about Christianity being a relationship... What we're really saying is that we can know that same Jesus that walked on the earth, that was crucified, was buried. He rose from the dead, so he's alive now. Jesus is alive now. And when we call upon him, we can actually know him in, in a way that is just as real as knowing your friends. Just as real as knowing your spouse. Just as real as knowing your sons or your daughters. It can be that real to you. It's true. But it's not always that real to you every day, every moment. That's okay. But it's not okay if your your orientation to Christ is really one of mere intellectual assent 
and there's no, there's no relationship there. That's not okay. And I fear that that's the case with many people who are professing Christ these days, that they have a belief, but they really don't have a relationship. And, and of course, if we don't know him, then we don't know him. Um, so let me say a few things about knowing him in, in the few moments I have here. If we're going to know the Lord, uh, he first must purify our hearts. He has to purify our hearts. Look at Acts 15. We're going to look at several scripture. If you want the word, you've got to turn quick with me, okay? Acts 15. In Acts 15, Peter is justifying to the mother church there in Jerusalem the fact that the gospel had come to the Gentiles. Um, it says in verse 7, And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did us. Now, it's very difficult for us to understand how radical and revolutionary this was. For a, for a pious Jew of Jesus' day to believe that God would give the Holy Spirit to a Gentile was virtually unthinkable. That's why when God gave Peter the vision, you know, the, the vision with the sheet and the animals, clean and unclean, uh, it, God had to give it to him three times. He wasn't getting the message. It's like, no way. No way is the, is, is the Spirit of God going to be given to the Gentiles because they're dogs, they're unclean. Well, God, of course we know, through Christ, was calling a worldwide church now beyond the borders of Israel. So he's, Peter, were, Peter was given the keys of the kingdom, and as we see in Acts, Peter preached first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then he went out to the Gentiles, Cornelius. He opened the door to each people group. In the book of Acts. He says, God gave them the Holy Spirit just as us first night, and he made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Purifying their hearts. This is referring to the, to the, to the giving of the Holy Spirit to them, at which time they were born again of God's Spirit. Some young lady here today said she got saved at camp. If she got saved at camp, what that means is she got born again. That means her heart was purified. And that's why she can say, I know this because my life is changing. Because yes. out of the heart flows the issues of life. Yes. Your heart controls your conduct. Your heart controls your habits. So if your life and your habits are changing, that means your heart's changing. Yes. So God purify our hearts by giving us the Holy Spirit, uh, putting new life into us. It's what is called being regenerated or born again. But... The beauty of the new birth is that, secondly, through that new birth, Christ now dwells in our hearts. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Before Jesus ascended, he told his disciples that it was good that he was going away, because by going away, the Holy Spirit would come. But then he said, after promising them another comforter like himself, he said, the Holy Spirit would come. But then he said, I will come to you. Of course, he came to them, and he comes to us through the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is praying here for the Ephesians, and he says, verse 16, that 
God would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Notice he says in 17, he prays for them to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Why? So that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Those of who have been born again have received the Spirit of, of God, and that Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ that dwells in the heart of the believer. Jesus couldn't be any closer to you than he is if you're born again. He can't be any closer because he's literally in your soul. His, his spirit has been joined to your spirit. That's why your spirit is alive. Your spirit has been quickened from the dead by his spirit, and you're joined with Christ. You can't get any closer. So our hearts are indwelt, not just purified, but indwelt by Christ and his Holy Spirit. But we, our hearts also have to be enlightened. They have to be enlightened. Go, go uh, to Ephesians 1. Paul prays this and he says in verse 17, he prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your heart being enlightened. Being enlightened. So, when we're born again, God purifies our heart. Jesus comes to dwell in our heart, but our hearts still need to be enlightened. That's why in Colossians, uh, Paul ex- prays for them, and he says, I'm praying that you will continue to grow in the knowledge of God. In the knowledge of God. When we're born again, that's not the end, that's the beginning. That's just the beginning. And it, it, it I think that... Often we preach a truncated gospel in which the goal of the gospel is get saved so you don't go to hell. Amen. That's the gospel. Well, that's part of the gospel. It's an important part of the gospel. But when we get saved, it's the beginning of a journey in which we spend our entire lives, and I believe our entire eternity, growing in our knowledge of God in Christ. Because we're talking about a person, Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. His riches, Paul says, are unsearchable. They're inscrutable. We will forever be meditating upon the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ. So it's just the beginning, when we're born again, of this lifelong journey of learning more and more and more about Jesus. So our hearts have to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit, as we grow in our knowledge of Christ. But also, our hearts need to be sacrificial. What do I mean by that? Well, look at, if, look at Philippians 3. In Philippians 3, Paul is talking about knowing Jesus. And he says, well, let's read. We'll just start in verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you to say, beware of dogs. I don't like dogs, by the way. Um, 
I have a Bible verse right here that tells me to beware of dogs. Right, Lydia? Lydia doesn't like them either. Beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Some versions might say um, we worship through the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. For though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may also have confidence in the flesh, I more so. In other words, if, if, if these people think they have bragging rights, I have more bragging rights. That's what is really what he's saying. Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, uh, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. So he's listing all of these credentials that he had in the flesh. In the flesh. And these were good things for Paul. They gave him prestige and standing in his uh, circle, in, not just in his circle, in his culture. He was an important man because of this. Verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yes, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. So Marla shared, she said in one of their, where is Marla? I can't see her. You hiding? She talked about in one of their, their small groups, they talked about the things they need to give up. The things that they need to sacrifice. When, when we grow in our knowledge of Christ, as, we, as he, he begins to take us into a deeper relationship with him, there will be things that he will ask us to sacrifice. Yeah. It's inevitable. And so... Um, there are times in our, in our life when we go through, uh, what's the right word? Let's just call them times of testing, if you will. And it may not be external at all. It may just be in the heart. Where God is dealing with our hearts. And he's asking us to give something up. It, it may be a sinful attitude. It may be a habit. It may be uh, a treasured relationship that isn't healthy. It can be many things. But God deals with our hearts uh, because he, he is continuing to sanctify and purify our hearts. And Paul is saying that I gave up all of these things to know Jesus Christ. Now what if Paul had said, I don't want to give up these things? You see, sometimes we think we can hold on to things that God is telling us to give up, and then we can just add more of Jesus on top of it. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. And, and this is where our wills and God's will can begin to collide. And this is why we see this phenomenon that an old pastor friend used to call the phenomenon of the gray-headed baby. The gray-headed baby is the Christian who's chronologically old and has been in church for years and years and years, but they, they have ceased to grow. They've never really matured. And why does this happen? It happens because there's a point at which our wills and God's will come into conflict. And I can assure you that at some point in your Christian life, your will and God's will will come into conflict. Yeah. Matter of fact, it won't just be one time. Yeah. Sometimes it'll be a conflict and it'll be a crisis. It'll be a big deal, a big moment. 
Other times, it's the little things throughout the day. A bad attitude you need to change. A, a, a spirit of unforgiveness you're harboring. Uh, self-indulgence that you're, that you're holding on to. Whatever it might be. It might be small things. Sometimes they're large things. But your will and God's will will come into conflict. And whoever wins the conflict, that's the issue. In the Christian life, the way to win is to lose. This is why Jesus said, if a man wishes to save his life, what must he do? He's got to lose it. Well, that's a paradox. doesn't make sense. Indeed, it doesn't make sense until you experience it. And we see this in the life of Jacob. And, and I'd love to preach a whole sermon on Jacob, but we don't have time. But if you read Genesis 32 and read about Jacob's encounter with the angel of the Lord and how they wrestled and they, and they fought together. And in, in that encounter, Jacob lost because he was wounded by God. He was literally wounded. After this encounter with God, he limped the rest of his life. He was, he was a marked man. But it says also that his name was changed from Jacob to Israel. And you know what Israel means? It means prince of God or he who prevails. So the one who prevailed with God was the man who lost. The one who prevailed with God was the man who was broken. Do you realize how stubborn you are? You still want me to bring the word? I'm telling you. This is why, as we go on the Christian life, we hit these seasons. and they, Maybe the seasons are dry, and then the seasons get hard, and then they get drier, and then they get harder. And then they, and, and, and what's happening? God is, God is weakening our resistance to him. He's bringing us to submission. And and submission is not an easy thing. Because as you go on in, in the Lord, and as he deals with your heart, and he, he, he wants, you have to understand, the Lord wants to get you to a place where he truly is supreme in your heart. Do you understand what I mean by Supreme. I mean, at the simplest prompting of his spirit, you obey. Meaning, you will sacrifice and do anything for him, no questions asked. Are any of us really there? You see, Jesus is not a God in the pantheon of gods. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. He, 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 will, he will tolerate no rivals in our hearts. And as he works in our hearts, he comes into our hearts and he starts, just like he went into the temple and he, and he threw the tables and he, he threw the money changers out. That's what he does to our hearts. He comes in and he starts clearing them out and he says, that's an idol and that's an idol and that's an idol and that's unclean and that's unclean. And he begins to clean our hearts out and I can assure you, that's not pleasant, but it's necessary. It's necessary. That's why sometimes knowing God isn't enjoyable. Can I say that again? Sometimes knowing God isn't enjoyable. And I think many Christians are told that knowing God is always supposed to be like a camp meeting. It's always going to be fun. As if there's only one emotion in the Christian life and it's joy. Well, read Psalms. David laments. David weeps. David's grieved. David's confused. David... I mean, 
Do I believe that the Christian life should be filled with joy? Yes. But we're not little joy robots, you know. Just come to church, hit the button, have joy. I mean, that's not real. That just isn't real. And so, when God's working in our life, sometimes he, 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 He's, not just sometimes, well, at different times. With all of us, we will have seasons where we're not, we don't have joy. And we're not supposed to be exhibiting joy at that moment. Because what God is doing isn't joyful. In Hebrews, it says that when God chastens us, that chastening for the present is not joyous. It is grievous. But it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So we need to be willing to sacrifice whatever God is telling us to sacrifice. Whatever that might be, whoever that might be. It can be a career. It can be, it can be anything. We have to be willing to give up. If he calls us to give it up. Last point I want to make is um, we need a broken heart. A broken heart. In Psalm 34, 18, it says, well, let's look at it because I want you to read it in your own Bible. In Psalm 34, it says in verse 18, it says, and the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and such as have a contrite spirit. Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever given, of course, the first beatitude was what? Do you, do you recall? Blessed are the poor in spirit. See, that's that brokenness. Then he goes on to say, blessed are those that mourn. That's being contrite. It's having an attitude of being sad about our sin. Sad about not loving Christ as we ought. Sad about the state of the sin in our culture. Sad about many things. The Lord works to break our hearts. Not to hurt us. But to remake us. To heal us. And I think a lot of Christians are trying to pump up joy. And, and, and they're not finding that joy. And the problem is they have to work through the pain. They have to work through the brokenness in their heart. They have to work through uh, grieving about different things. I, I remember a season in my life when I was a younger Christian. When every time I read my Bible, I cried. I just cried. And sometimes I didn't even know why I was crying. But God was just was was literally remaking my heart. And I had so much pain in my my unsaved life. I had so much brokenness from my past that I didn't even realize that God was just cleansing me. But it wasn't one meeting. It wasn't one camp. It was weeks and months and probably a couple years for me. But, you know, we need to let God do what he wants to do in our hearts. That's why sometimes when, when you're with the Lord, whether privately or even corporately, we'll be worshiping and, and you, you might not feel happy. Maybe you even feel sad. Maybe God's showing you something in your heart. Maybe God's trying to heal something that's broken. Maybe the Lord's trying to bring you to, to confess or repent of something. I don't know because I don't know your heart. But I know that we need to not, um, Confine God 
in our minds and say, well, he only acts one way. He only works one way. Because he doesn't. So, um, yeah. Paul said he was willing to give up all of his stuff for the excellency or the excellence of knowing Jesus Christ. That's where we need to be, amen? Because it really is excellent. And the more you know him, the more you, you will learn and see and understand how true that is. Some of you are just beginning, especially younger people, just beginning to have, have an inkling of what it is to really know Christ. Um, the more you get to know him, the more you will understand why he, why Paul was willing to sacrifice everything for him. But there will be these struggles as you move forward. You will have to deal with sacrifice. You will have to deal with allowing God to bring you to a place of brokenness and surrender. Let God have his way in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together.